Welcome to the Startup of the Year podcast, where each episode we showcase exciting new companies from around the world. This podcast is produced by Established, creators of the Startup of the Year program. Established is focused on helping organizations with their innovation, startup, and communication strategies. Everybody, welcome back to the Startup of the Year podcast. I'm Frank Gruber, the co-founder and co-CEO of Established, the co-founder of Established Ventures, and the team behind the Startup of the Year community and this very podcast. And we appreciate you being here and being a listener. In this episode, I'm talking to Luke Pergandy about his company, PropSwap. PropSwap is the first marketplace to buy and sell active American sports book tickets. Uh, PropSwap assists owners of tickets in finding interested buyers with its goal of providing liquidity to a market uh, which had none before. So it's pretty innovative, really exciting stuff. And I'm excited to have him here today. Also excited because uh, PropSwap is actually an alum of our our community and program. So they participated in start of the year in 2016 out in Silicon Valley and did amazing and have been doing uh, some great stuff since. And we're going to hear the latest updates. So looking forward to talking to Luke here shortly. Uh, before I, sh- I jump into that interview, though, I wanted to share a segment from Rich Malloy of Established and Established Ventures with the VC Minute. Take it away, Rich. Hi, this is Rich Malloy with Established Ventures, bringing you the VC Minute. Quick advice to help startup founders fundraise better. Let's continue our talk about the VC treadmill. Before we even collected our first LP investment at Springtime Ventures, our partner, Rick Patch, who has over a decade of venture experience, said, our only job as seed investors is to get our portfolio companies to Series A. When I first heard that, I nodded appreciatively, but I didn't really get it. Now, a few years into seed investing, and I see how spot on it is. It's that seed investors are just one level on the treadmill. Part of your job in a pitch is to convince potential investors that you will get to the next level on the treadmill. And to do that, you need three components, here, there, and capital. You must show that you can get from here, where your business is now, to there, milestones for the next round of venture, with the capital from this round. You can draw that line from here to there with even the slightest bit of traction. Show what you were able to achieve with limited resources, describe the plan to scale, and show how you will hit the milestones that will get you to the next round of financing. Now, the less traction you have, the more you have to sell the vision and see my prior VC minute about this. Regardless of traction, you still have to show the path from here to there with the capital you plan to raise. This should not be at the cost of selling the big 10-year vision if you have that. Rather, you're demonstrating that you know the immediate goals that you need to hit in order to level up on the treadmill. That's all for the VC Minute. Back to you, Frank. Thanks, Rich. I'm sure our listeners will find that information super helpful, so appreciate that. And uh, for those that are just jumping in and may not know, our 2021 start of the year application is open. It's got a little bit more time you left here, and you can get your application in. If you're, you know, you've raised less than $5 million in funding or have a functional prototype, not just an idea, but something that we can actually see and, and look at, or maybe some customers would be even great too, um, then you should apply today. It's uh, an amazing growing community of entrepreneurs and founders. And uh, you just go to SOTY.link forward slash apply, SOTY.link forward slash apply. It's totally free. And what will happen is we're going to have ongoing events throughout the year. We already have been doing some. You can be a part of those. We have a Slack community. 
uh, for our founders. We do uh, regular office hours, which you can partake in. And then we do our awards uh, at the end of the year. So our top 100 companies will come together for additional opportunities to connect, showcase, and potentially take home the title of Startup of the Year at our annual summit. And it will be amazing. And I'm looking forward to it. So please uh, apply if you want to be a part of that or have an opportunity to, to be uh, involved in that. It's SOTY.link forward slash apply. All right. We always like to showcase, uh, drink our own champagne a little bit and showcase some of our own companies in our community. So I'm going to do that real quick. Uh, first, I wanted to, to uh, give a shout out to last week's episode. Yeah, I'm shouting out my last last episode. Uh, if you haven't listened to it yet, please do, because it'll help with this next um, this next uh, you know, tool that I think you can take advantage of. It's called Tax Taker. If you're not familiar, there's, um, you know, Uncle Sam is out there basically giving tax credits, R&D tax credits. Um, to startups, tech startups. And if you're de developing products and services, you may actually be able to qualify for those. And uh, it's not an area that I'm an expert in, but I uh, learned a lot last week by talking to one of the co-founders on episode 58 of the Start the Year podcast. So please rewind to last week and listen to that, learn more about it, but and get a deeper dive. But basically what it comes down to is it's 100% free to sign up and you get to see if you can qualify. And if you qualify, it'll save you money uh, that you could then spend on, it's save, save you money on taxes that you could then spend on other things like, you know, developers or marketing or whatever it is you need or the oxygen you need to, to continue to survive in the startup um, ecosystem. So go to uh, taxtaker.com forward slash SOTY to see if you qualify. It's uh, taxtaker.com forward slash SOTY. And uh, please check that out because you can actually file your taxes, um, you know, year round and you can actually save you know, with that as well. So you want to get, get this in as, as soon as possible. Taxticker.com forward slash SOTY. Um, like I said, you may be leaving money on the table that you don't even know exists. So check it out. All right. Now let's, uh, let's talk to Luke, Luke Pagandi from PropSwap. Great to have you here today, Luke. How are you doing? Doing well, Frank. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. Um, for our listeners, can you just give us a kind of a quick uh, update on what, what to your company PropSwap is? And uh, so everyone, anyone that's unfamiliar kind of get to it right away. Yeah. So we're a secondary market for sports bets in America. Um, so a couple of teams that are pretty appropriate right now is the Phoenix Suns to win the NBA finals. Uh, when the season began, they were a hundred to one odds wow. to win it all. Uh, fast forward to today, we now know that they are going to the NBA finals for the first time in 30 years. If you have a 100 to 1 Phoenix Suns bet that was purchased in September or earlier this season, that bet is worth a lot of money right now. And before Props Up came along, what you should be doing is you should be going and making a hedge bet on the other side. So that will be um, Atlanta or Milwaukee to make sure with either outcome, you make some money. Problem is, Hedge bets are really expensive. So say your bet collects 20,000 bucks, you would need around $11,000 to make a hedge bet. Enter PropSwap, post your bet for sale. We find you a buyer just like eBay or StubHub does, and you're on your way. Uh, so no more expensive hedging, no more deciding on which team to hedge with. Just post your bet on PropSwap and we'll get you paid. Oh, interesting. So you don't even need to look for it. You can actually just post it and you'll help them connect with the the right, um, I guess, hedge bet for that that they're looking for. 
what you're saying. Yep. So oh. you, know, you bet a hundred bucks on Phoenix back in September, collects ten thousand dollars. You mm -hmm. post your ticket on PropSwap. Uh, someone in Los Angeles says, "Oh, like I'll buy uh, I'll buy Frank out of his son's bet." Uh, you post that hundred dollar ticket for sale for say four thousand dollars. Guy in Los Angeles pays the four grand. Uh, we charge ten percent for the fee. Uh, and you, you know, the owner of the Phoenix Suns bet walks with $3,600 and could care less who wins. Right. No, that makes sense. Yeah. So you don't have to hedge anymore is what you're saying. I get it. That's interesting. And thanks for breaking it down. That That's simply for, uh, I don't, I don't bet a lot on sports. So I think that's, uh, and maybe our listeners don't as well. So I think that's, um, that's really interesting. So I guess I want, I'd love to hear, like, how did you come up with this idea? Uh, you and you and Ian. Yeah, so I was living in San Francisco working for Bloomberg. Uh, this is back in 2013. And I was visiting Las Vegas socially, as everyone else in California does all the time. And it was Labor Day, so before the NFL season begins. And I made a bet. I made a bet on the New Orleans Saints to win the Super Bowl. And they had a really good season that year. Uh, it was about halfway through the NFL season. Their record was 7-1, and one, doing really well. When I got the Saints to win the Super Bowl in September, their odds were 50 to 1. But fast forward through the halfway point of that season, the odds were now 15 to 1, 1 5. Right. And I called my now business partner who worked for uh, Cantor Gaming at the time. It's the Cantor Fitzgerald uh, sports betting outfit, the big investment bank. They ran a, a sports betting outfit in Las Vegas. It was the largest sports book in Nevada. And I called them and I said, hey, I have this 50 to one ticket. Someone in America would buy this from me, right? I don't know if it's a Saints fan. I don't know if it's someone in Chicago or a gambler in Vegas. Like someone would purchase this ticket from me. It's it's worth a lot. He's like, you're right. I'm like, all right, well, at the end of the season, if I mail this ticket to you, Ian, you're in Vegas, I'm in California, can you cash it for me? He's like, yeah, I do that all the time. I'm like, okay, well, then these assets are transferable. We've proven that. And we've also proven that these tickets improve in value because the odds change every day. And um, we're, we researched why isn't there a secondary market for sports bets or secondary markets for stocks and real estate and stock options and bonds and, you know, shoes with StockX and GOAT and all these other successful secondary markets. Why doesn't one exist for sports betting and we couldn't figure it out. We just came up with, you know, uh, questions with no answers. Why doesn't this exist? Are these transferable? Uh, we kept getting a dead end. So we emailed uh, 15 different gaming attorneys, very established gaming attorneys who knew much, much more than I do. Uh, you know, certainly at the time I was a naive, you know, I worked for Bloomberg in finance didn't know a ton about the sports betting industry. We emailed 15 attorneys, the first 14 attorneys. I still have the, the documents today. The first 14 attorneys said, absolutely not. Um, here's the reasons why this won't work. And no, I won't even take your business. And that was consecutively, wow. literally 14 lawyers consecutively. <laughs> and I'll never forget. Ian calls me one night. I, you know, was in California. He was, um, in Las Vegas. And it's like, I, you know, at what point do we just give up? Like at what, how many lawyers are we going to reach out to who know much more than we do admittedly? Like they, they've been in this industry for 40 years. Some of these guys, you know, uh, in New York or Nevada or New, or New Jersey. And at what point do we give up? 
And I'm just like, Ian, like we've, we've researched the laws Like you and I have spent hours combing over the Nevada laws. Like it doesn't say anywhere in Nevada, you can't transfer your betting ticket. So mm-hmm. until we find that, you know, line in the regulations, like we got to keep going. And we found, we emailed one more attorney after that phone call is about, about 10 days later. And he responded back. He's like, you guys are right. Like this should exist. This, it doesn't exist and it's permissible. And um, he was actually, his name's Dan Reeser. He's still our Nevada attorney today. He's made a lot of money. His, his hourly rate's about $400. So uh, he's made a lot of money uh, sticking with us over these past six years we've been in business. And he represented our case to the Nevada Gaming Control Board. It was like the movie uh, Casino with Robert De Niro, uh, where he's in the courtroom and uh, you know the the regulatory body is deciding whether he should get a gaming license or not. Uh, that was this. We marched in. It was wow. Uh, this is now January uh, 2015. I flew to Vegas. I wasn't living there yet. Um, and we we went to court basically, and our lawyer presented our case and. Uh, the outcome was that they can't restrict a secondary market. It is permissible uh, to sell your betting ticket to someone else in the state of Nevada. So that was obviously six years ago, um, and we've moved forward. So I quit my job at Bloomberg, packed up a U-Haul uh, from San Francisco, drove to Las Vegas, and um, and moved in. Wow. So that's a huge regulatory win too for you all, right? Like that was the the loophole you needed to get started. Has there been a ton yeah. of, of that obviously going forward? It was, how have the other states dealt with it? And, and it, it, you know, I'd love to hear more about that landscape. Sure. Um, so we're active in 18 states right now. That doesn't mean it's illegal in the other 32 states. It just means those are the 18 states that we've chosen to launch in. Right. Um, that's a combination of sports betting states and non-sports betting states. So we're live in states like California, uh, Ohio, Massachusetts. Those are states that at this point in time do not have legal sports betting yet. But PropSwap isn't sports betting, right? The, the reason we don't need a gaming license from, you know, from New Jersey, from Nevada, from these gaming states is because the regulators have said PropSwap is not sports betting. PropSwap is a secondary market. The wagers occurred inside of the MGM Grand or the Borgata in New Jersey or the Beau Rivage in Mississippi. That's where the wager occurred. Once that wager occurs, it can be sold on a secondary market just like loans are, right? Like loans are originated in Florida and they get sold to someone in California. That happens constantly. Um, yep. No different than than a, a betting ticket, a loan, a baseball card. Um, secondary markets exist all the time, and PropSwap is just an example of another secondary market. Very cool. So it sounds like that that positioning or that space between, you know, what you just explained, where the the bets being made, and where you're kind of another layer gave you the opportunity now to open these other states up. Are there, what is, I guess, what's the, the plan with the other states? Just kind of wait and see where, where you're out there or do you have to go and literally go to court for everyone? No, so we, so for the non-gaming states, the Californias, Ohio's, we typically just send an email to the attorney general. We say, hey, here's what we're doing. You know, are you guys okay with this? Basically, if you have a problem, let us know now. If you don't have a problem, we're moving forward. Right. Um, so 
Uh, every non-gaming state has said we don't have a problem with this. Um, there's one gaming state, Illinois, which is my hometown. If you would have said, you know, six years ago, the biggest pain in, you know, thorn in your side would be the state of Illinois. I would have said, oh, you're crazy. I know everyone in Illinois, you know, they would never push back on this. But they're basically, they put in a rule that says you can't transfer your betting ticket. Um, you know, I think back to the, the wow. Uber, Airbnb stories, like, you know, one of uh, Uber's biggest thorn in their sides was San Francisco, which is so ironic because the company was based in San Francisco, right? Like they're creating jobs. That is, and, that is pretty funny. Yeah. The, the irony yeah. there. And yeah, yeah like, it's ironic about Chicago or Illinois as well. And as both us, both actually, you know, all of us being from Chicago land area. So um, really interesting. And I, um, curious, you know, kind of further along, is it, do you think that's something that they'll, they'll change and then, or is it, you know, you're just going to say, okay, well, that's the way it is. And we'll, we'll move on in these other places. We've got enough going on. Yeah. I mean, we're obviously working on it. So, um, yeah. you know, they, there isn't a way for them to enforce that. That was another reason why we started this business in 2015. We're like, how is the casino, you know, Frank makes the bet and gives it to me to go cash it. Like how in the world are these casinos going to enforce that Frank made the bet? Like there's nothing on these tickets that's identifiable. Right. Well, it's a piece of paper. You're right. That's absolutely right. Paper, right. Yep, yep. So, you know, we could play hardball at Illinois. We're trying to play softball for now. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's no way for Illinois to enforce that, you know, Frank made the bet and I go cash it. It's impossible. Um, right. That makes so sense. we're playing fair for now, but, um, and, and the, the customers want this, the casinos want this, right? The casinos, when they find out that people are making tickets in Chicago and then they can post them for sale to another state, like that's great for Chicago casinos, right? right? And what, what people are doing is they're making multiple tickets. So, mm-hmm. you know, right now it's, you know, here we are in July, you bet on the Cubs to win the World Series, what we're telling people is to make two tickets. So you're going to bet a hundred bucks on the Cubs to win the World Series. Now, because you know about props up, you make two $60 tickets, you know, increase your, your take a little bit so that if the Cubs do go to the World Series, you can sell one on props up and then hold on to the other ticket for some upside. Cause we get that pushback all the time. People are like, well, like, I'm like married to this bet. I don't want to sell it. Well, here's the solution. Make two tickets. Right. And that's music to the casino's ears because without props up, no one's buying two tickets. Right. No, it's interesting. Yeah. I never even thought of that. Makes a lot of sense. Um, and I'm curious, I, you know, we talked a little bit about um, places, but I want to find out, you know, how do you find your customers? I mean, it sounds like you're partnering with these different um, casinos and, and, and sports, sports betting, I guess, I guess I'd love to hear who, who are the, who are the main customers and drivers for your business? Yeah, so it's it's the typical gambling customer. We're we're like ninety nine percent male. Every time we get a female sign up, we do a little dance. Um, so, but ninety nine percent male. It's you yep. know twenty one to sixty five. Um, I would say the sellers who like really get this marketplace and are moving in and out of bets. Like they're literally you know we had two different guys in twenty twenty which we all know is the worst year for American sports ever. Mm-hmm. Um, we had two different individuals make a hundred thousand dollars by selling tickets on prop swap. Wow. Um, 
So those guys are typically younger, mid to late twenties. It's the classic first adopter of, of a startup. Mm-hmm. The buyers, the buyers are just gamblers. So uh, traditional sports betters, you know, they're just looking to get better odds. You know, if yeah. you, we have Phoenix Suns bets up for sale that are the best price in the country because you're buying from someone who got the ticket in September or in March, and they're just trying to get out and right. they'll price it accordingly. So, you know, when you're buying from individuals on PropSwap, you're not buying from a casino. So the buyers are getting really, really good prices that they, they can't get anywhere else. Um, so the buyer's just a traditional gambler, 20 to 65 year old male. Uh, we do a lot of advertising on AM and FM sports radio. Uh, if, you, if you would have told me back in business school at University of Arizona that my startup would be spending uh, six figures every month on AM or FM radio, I would, I would have said you're a dinosaur. <laughs> yeah, you don't hear you don't hear that every day, right? Lately, it's been about Instagram and some of these other like online platforms, right? Sure, like you know, programmatic buying and right. uh, all these different you know really advanced ways to advertise. But um, you know, it is a very targeted audience on sports radio. Um, you know, over 50% of these guys or gals uh, are also gambling on the events um, and it's affordable, right? Like dig when other people zag. So um, it's it's very affordable uh, per impression versus, you know, TV or, um, you know, billboards or things like that, which we, we also do. But um, mm-hmm. the bulk of our advertising is, is radio marketing. That's really interesting. Yeah. And fish, you know, fish where the fish are is what I was saying. So makes yeah. sense. Makes sense. I'm curious, are you also partnering then with some of these um, casinos and things as well? Or how do they take this? You know, what yeah. are your thoughts? We still have zero. We are a completely independent secondary market. Um, if also, you know, kind of thinking back to 2015 and when we started this, if you would have told me six years in, would be in 18 states and not one casino would have signed a deal yet, I would have said, you're crazy. Like, of course, yeah. these casinos would figure out that this is good for their business. Um, right. I look at the whole sneaker revolution and Foot Locker, which is basically a primary market, invested $100 million into GOAT, which is, you know, GOAT and StockX, the two sneaker Right. Uh, secondary marketplaces are each worth about four billion dollars right right yep. now and uh full locker invested 100 million into goat and i know the guy that led the deal for foot locker and he's like yeah like we could have got the same amount of stock for about 10 million dollars you know four years prior uh and they just wait it's just large companies they just um right. that's they just they could they would rather pay more money and get into a less risky startup than invest early. And that's yep. that's just the large company mantra. So um, yep. they, they de-risk it with time and your success and then eventually pay more for it. So that, that makes a lot of sense. I yep. mean, from that from that perspective and just being at a, you know, working at a big company before I understand that that thought process there. It's obviously frustrating probably from your perspective though, because you're trying to especially <laughs> when bit. you're based in Vegas and you'd probably at first we're probably talking to all the, the casinos right there, right? Yep. Yeah. So obviously, you know, when we were only in Nevada, which was from 2015 to 2018, 2018, of course, is when the Supreme Court uh, struck down PASPA, which said sports betting can only occur in Nevada. So Supreme Court 2018 says we should leave this up to the states. So each state should decide whether they want sports betting or not. 
So that was the big tectonic shift uh, early 2018. Once that happened, the Nevada casinos became more friendly. We've now you know, received some inbound calls from them. Uh, because back then, like we needed them more than they needed us because that was their only state. But right. now, like we don't need them as much anymore. We can partner with casinos in Mississippi or, you know, New Jersey or, or Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. um, so the, their attitudes have shifted a little bit. But uh, yeah, still looking for our first big casino partner. Well, that had to be a huge, huge year for you then, 2018, when you when that happened and it changed the kind of project, trajectory, wouldn't you say, of where you're where you were going? Yes. Yeah. So the investors, you know, the, the pushback back in, you know, late 2017 was, okay, like, cool idea, but you're only dealing with Nevada sports betting tickets. Right. Right. So your supply is constrained, which we completely agreed with. Yeah. Uh, a small solution we had was, all right, well, why don't we start selling these Nevada betting tickets to other states? Mm -hmm. And this was, you know, when we thought of this, I'll never forget, we were walking out of a, a pizza joint. It was like 11 p.m., me and my co-founder, Ian. And I'm like, wait a minute, like, if this isn't sports betting, why can't we operate in other states? So why can't we sell these tickets to people in Connecticut or, you know, New Jersey or New York? Um, right. And we looked into it and we contacted a lawyer and he's like, yeah, I, I agree with you guys. Like, all those people are possessing betting tickets. Like everyone from New York City flies to Las Vegas. They bet on the Yankees and, you know, the Knicks and all their local teams to win their respective championships. They win. Those tickets get mailed to Las Vegas and the MGM Grand mails a check to New York City. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Yeah, right? yeah it's just like, a different, slightly different flow. But yeah, I, I yeah. get it. That's That's crazy. So I'm glad you guys figure that out and um must have been a big a big win there once you started looking at these other places and, and expanding definitely so um yeah so we have buyers and we have sellers but you know once 2018 happened now we our supply of what we can sell has just grown exponentially and, and only is going to continue to grow for the next my gosh you know 20 years um sports betting is is so obviously here to stay and um the demand for it is is only going to go up no, that makes sense um all right let's let's shift gears a little bit you've mentioned um funding there for a second i want to start kind of diving into some entrepreneurial kind of founder questions here yeah, so sure. what um what was it like raising you know on something like this and i know you guys have raised a little bit but i'd love to hear where you're at as far as the raise and all that and maybe some some thoughts and advice for anyone out there in similar regular regular regulated uh industries sure um, so when we first started this, when I moved to Las Vegas, it was uh, summer of 2015 and we needed money. Um, you know, I, I had about 35,000 in my 401k, um, from three years at Bloomberg. Um, so that's what I was, you know, going to live off of, but you know, we needed to build uh, a V1 of, of the website It needed, someone needed to do it. Ian and I are not uh, technical co-founders. I expand the business and, and raise the money. Ian now manages our developers, but neither of us could code. So we needed to figure out how do we build this thing? So uh, we got $5,000 checks uh, from our 10 closest friends. We raised 50K. We sold 10% of the company, which uh, would now each point costs 140,000. So uh, I'll let you do the math. I'm, what their their stake is worth but wow. um yeah. so you know we raised fifty thousand, 
Um, and that basically all went to development. You know, we needed a version one. We did a little bit of marketing just to kind of get the word out in Las Vegas, a little splash. Um, and that's what we started with. So we, um, you know, got off the ground. We, uh, at the time, we literally partnered with a sports bar. It was like southwest side of Las Vegas, about 30 minutes southwest of the strip. Mm -hmm. To buy a ticket, you literally drove to this sports bar and picked up the ticket. And to sell a ticket, you also literally drove to that sports bar and dropped it off. And we kept these tickets in a safe in the back of their kitchen, surrounded by buffalo sauce and butter. And, um, <laughs> you know, we're like moving the chefs aside to go drop off the tickets every night. Ridiculous. Uh, not scalable at all. But uh, looking back, just just hilarious that we did this. Too. But we had to get out the ground somehow. Proof of concept. So, yeah, that's that's great. I mean, you had to do what you had to do. Buffalo, si buffalo yeah. sauce aside. <laughs> that's interesting. Yes, yeah. Um, but yeah, and then you said you were non, you both were non-technical. And this kind of makes me think about how did you, you know, being non-technical, diving into this, knowing you had to build this, how did you find your your tech, you know, team or, you know, folks that would help build this out? Yeah. Um, so the first guy that literally, he, it was basically like a Wix landing page, right? Like that's, that's really yep. how this began. Um, mm -hmm. Just a, a developer friend from mine. He was in my fraternity at the University of Arizona. Um, and he lived in San Francisco. So when we were hashing this out in, you know, for the year, two and a half years prior, him and I would just meet every, you know, month or so at a bar. Uh, it was called Harry's Bar on Fillmore Street for those uh, living in San Francisco or familiar. Uh, we would just hash it out. And uh, we probably paid him around $10,000 to build V1, like super basic V1. And then uh, the next developers we were searching you know we were we just weren't sure where to look we were kind of asking our friends about it and i'll never forget i um you know was was single and uh i just met a girl and we're out for drinks and she's like well wait a minute like why don't you just post an ad on craigslist i'm like craigslist like we're never gonna find a quality developer on craigslist like that's that's where you sell your used mattresses and um you know artwork that you no longer want like that, that can't possibly work, but I'm like, all right, well, let's give it a shot. Next morning, post an ad on Craigslist, and a we probably got 12 inbound inquiries wow. uh, in, the, in that week. Um, and we interviewed all 12 of them, met them at coffee shops at, um, you know, Eat uh, at, in downtown Vegas. Frankie, probably another place, best yep. fried deviled eggs in the world. Yep, uh, absolutely. So um, we would just meet there, hash things out, see if we liked them, and uh, we found a guy we liked. It was probably probably the eighth developer we interviewed, um, and we hired him. Uh, I believe his pay back then was sixty bucks an hour, uh, much 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 lower than what we currently pay our, currently pay our developers. So, um, but then he started to build it out. It obviously became you know uh, at the time we owned PropSwap Vegas, the whole dot uh, city domain names at the time were kind of blown up like dot nyc was trying to become a thing and you know i think dot right. shy was yep. a thing but it was cheap you know we probably paid like you know a thousand bucks for, for props up dot vegas maybe even less than that um so we bought that hired this developer that we met at eat in las vegas um and we moved forward um so we probably paid him uh another twenty thousand dollars to kind of get this off the ground um but craigslist was the answer 
Um, and, um, you know, that, that he pretty much carried us through that first year, um, of, uh, of dev work. Wow. That's great. So any, anybody out there looking to get something built and needs a, needs a developer, one place to not forget is Craigslist for yep. sure. Post yep. that out free, out right? Like all those other jobs, like indeed and LinkedIn, like you got to pay for those services. So we're like, I like we had, we had barely any money in the bank. Let's just post something on Craigslist, but it, it can work. That makes sense. And you mentioned Ian is now managing that that tech, your current tech team. Curious, uh, any tips? Uh, obviously, um, we were not talking to Ian, so if it doesn't make sense, we can we can pass on this one. But any tips for working with that tech team? Not you know not being as technical. Yeah. So you know he's super detail oriented. They they have sprints. They have weekly sprints where Wednesday afternoons they talk about what do we just do and what are we doing moving forward. Um, so they just hash out, okay, this feature was finished. This feature is not complete. This feature needs additional testing every Wednesday. They hash that out. Um, but it's a firm, you know, we use uh, a firm called Gunner technology. They specialize in offering development services to yep. uh, large and small companies. Um, so be detail oriented, never let a week go by without knowing, uh, what is getting built and what is in the pipeline. Um, and just make sure there's constant communication, because if you don't make sure on a weekly basis at minimum, what's getting built, your developers are going to build something that you don't want. I equate this to literally like, you know, renovating your house, right? If you're not constantly checking with your contractors, how your bathroom, how your kitchen is getting built, like there will be miscommunication, like fact. So right. you, you could have your ceiling tiled. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> so um, constant communication, be detail oriented, um, and, and it'll work out just fine. Absolutely. That's great advice. Um, let's switch gears and talk about your, your raise a little bit, and then we'll kind of wrap up with some do's and don'ts or any additional tips. So what we talked about your raise, I know you raised for a while and I get your emails and want to just, you know, I assume it was difficult at first when you were just Vegas, what was it like in 2018 when it opened up and kind of where are you guys at now? Yeah. So, um, so 2018 was obviously, you know, we got emails once that Supreme court ruling got handed down in, in April of 2018, uh, you know, I got text messages and emails from all the current investors that damn, like I should have put more in a prop swap. <laughs> um, so, you know, we, we kind of got the sense that, okay, like fundraising might be a little bit easier now that we are you know going to be a nationwide company versus just kind of a nevada company right. um so uh end of uh so 2018 we kind of just let the dust settle a little bit like let's figure out how this is going to look let's see what state uh is going to launch first uh, i moved uh here to new jersey in uh july of 2018 and then we just kind of started to have meetings with new jersey casinos and just let's just see what this market's going to look like um and then 2019, we said, okay, let's do our seed round. Um, let's uh, finish Super Bowl season and March Madness. Um, and let's let's move forward on a seed round. So 2019, we said, all right, we're going to look for uh, two million, uh, one and a half million dollars at the, uh, we'll do a December close 2019. Um, and we did it. We, um, that was basically through all, uh, mostly my family and friends. Ian uh, definitely, like that's not his job to raise money. That's my job. So right. uh, he obviously fed me some leads from his family and stuff, but mostly just, you know, uh, kids from Bloom, uh, uh, colleagues from Bloomberg where I used to work. 
right. uh, friends from University of Arizona, friends from Chicago where I grew up, and just said, "Hey, can you know can we piece 1.5 million bucks together?" Mm-hmm. And we did. Um, so and really uh, good timing. I mean, it's the end of 2019, you didn't you didn't get into the fundraising in 2020, which would have been a lot more, you know, probably way different. <laughs> yes, uh, impeccable timing. We said that all the time uh, to ourselves, like and on calls, like if we would have waited three more months to raise that money, there's no shot we raised one and a half million dollars. There was, it was just, you know, COVID and no one knew what the future was going to look like. Are we ever going to go inside casinos again? Are we ever going to go to sporting events again? Like there was, there was talk in in summer, like we may never go to communal events again. I mean, it was, it was doomsday. Right. Um, What was it like for you guys? I mean, sure you guys were affected by the pandemic because sports shutting down, I assuming, but you know, I'm assuming, but can you share a little bit more about that? What was, what that whole roller roller coaster was like? For sure. We still are being affected by it. Like we should be doing, you know, what's going on in the NBA and Stanley cup right now, the Phoenix Suns were a hundred to one. The Atlanta Hawks were 200 to one. Uh, The Montreal Canadians were 200 to one. Like every team that's alive right now is a perfect prop swap story. Like it's why we built this website. Um, and we still are not seeing this, those monster tickets that we were seeing in 2018 and 2019, because people just haven't been inside casinos for the past right. year, year and a half. Oh, um, I see. So it takes a little while to prime the pump because they the haven't been in the- yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You, got got, it. you know, you bet on, on Phoenix in, in January or, or, you know, September before the season began. And now those tickets are just exploding in value. Right. Um, so we're still seeing effects from it. Now, is there a way for you to take advantage of any online, I guess, betting like that? Sure. So we get asked that a lot. That's, you know, that's where a casino partnership comes in, where you have your bet on DraftKings, you live in, you know, New Jersey, and you have your mobile bet on DraftKings. Can you sell that on PropSwap? The answer is if we know you, right? If you're a bulk, we call these guys bulk sellers or three-star sellers. You've been doing business with us a lot. You've uh, used props up a ton because at the end of the day, if the Phoenix Suns win the NBA finals, DraftKings isn't paying props up. DraftKings is paying Frank, right? So there's some credit risk right. there if right. we allow you to sell those mobile bets. So oh, we allow yeah. about a, a hundred uh, of those customers. We allow to sell mobile bets, but we get yeah. asked constantly, hey, I've got this, you know, $30,000 Phoenix Suns bet on my on my app. Can I sell this? And it's tough. It, it's tough to turn them away. But um, you know, we're gonna get burned on it. It's we're gonna, someone's gonna sell their their Phoenix Suns bet, and then the Phoenix Suns win, and we never hear from them, from them again on you know July fifteenth when the NBA Finals uh, will be finished. So yeah, no, that's that's interesting. Yeah. So okay. So mainly focus. So it's gonna take a little more time for everything to kind of normalize for you to be able to then take advantage of those big bets in the future. Uh, it sounds like, which, you know, that makes sense that things were shut down for a while and hopefully we never go back to that. Uh, yes. But, but um, sounds like things are a little bit more, um, you know, a little better than they were last year at this time. No question. No yep. question. All right. So we're going to switch gears here and wrap here, but what's the, your favorite part about being an entrepreneur versus working in like the corporate environment at, at you know, the Bloomberg or uh, prior to yeah. that? Yeah. Um, higher highs and lower lows um it is like it is all on you if we don't raise money or you know our features don't get built out on time or 
customers would, you know, don't want to use us because, you know, uh, they just don't understand why to sell your bet. Like we're trying to educate people why to sell your bet. It's, it's all on you. Um, right. So um, I love it. it. I wouldn't trade it for the world. I think I'll be doing this for the rest of my life. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, at Bloomberg, like loved, I couldn't have asked for a better corporate job. People always ask me like, Oh, like, and, and my, at my exit interview inside of Bloomberg, they were very concerned. I, I, was, I was doing well there. They were very concerned why I was leaving. Like, what can we do differently? You know, what what about the culture is making you leave? I'm like, literally nothing. Like, I was paid well. The people were fantastic, very intelligent. Like, everyone surrounding me at the office was Berkeley and USC and Stanford, like, extremely educated company. And, you know, the customers were great, really intelligent customers. It's, you know, these are finance's biggest uh, you know, hedge funds, like the, the most, some of the most powerful people in the world you had access to as, as our customers. So I loved it. It had literally nothing to do with Bloomberg. It's just, it was time for me to start my own thing. And, um, it's, it's all on you. So I, I love the increased responsibility and there's days where, uh, it's way more depressing than working at Bloomberg. Like a Bloomberg, I was making, you know, $150,000, like no matter what, like I could have a terrible month, a terrible quarter, a terrible year. Like I will not make less than $150,000. That is obviously not the case here. Um, And then, you know, not to mention my salary now is $50,000. So right, the right right age of 32, um, you know, I'm making $9,000 less than my first job out of college at Bloomberg. Right. That makes sense. um, There's definitely some, some adjustment there as you, you know, look for the, you know, the moonshot, which is what you're working on here with, with, with PropSwap. There's still a big opportunity. So totally get that. And I guess one final quick question and then we'll, any, any plugs is, uh, do you have any advice for young, young folks that are trying to do this, you know, leaving their, you know, corporate jobs and, and doing it, you know, know knowing what you know now? Yeah. Uh, don't give up. Uh, that simple. Um, we, you know, like I said earlier, like, there was a time when your co my co-founder wanted to give up and people who were much more knowledgeable than us, generally speaking, uh, told us to give up. Right. And, you know, even my family was like, you know, you're spending so much time on this project. Like you're, you know, you're going to kill yourself. Like you're, you're not doing anything fun anymore. Like you're, you know, I was, I was gaining weight. There's no question. I, I just wasn't working out. Um, you know, at what point do you throw in the towel? And the thesis was, we've studied the laws in Nevada. We know through all of our research, I had sheets of paper all over my bedroom floor, like we know that we're right. And if we're right, then how can we give up? Like, how can we give in to people who um, are just naysayers or aren't as entrepreneurial as, as we are? Um, so it just, if you know your stuff and you know you're right, don't give up. I love it. Thank you, Luke. I love your perseverance there with that and couldn't agree with you more. Um, wanted to get one last question. If anyone want to connect with you, how could they contact you or, and uh, you know, learn more about your company? Yeah, uh, feel free to connect me on LinkedIn. Just drop a note in there. I get so many LinkedIn requests. Um, just, you know, say, heard you on the Startup of the Year podcast. Like, uh, let's let's chat. So LinkedIn is great. We obviously have a company Twitter. It's the PropSwap, uh, just PropSwap. Uh, we have an Instagram uh, and of course the website, um, and, uh, e- the customer email is just info at props My email is Luke at props Happy to chat. 
Uh, yeah, I've known you, Frank, for a super long time, so I appreciate you having me on. Thanks, Luke. Really appreciate it. And, and thanks for sharing so much about this industry. It's really fascinating and best of luck with everything. Thank you. Thank you, Luke. Really appreciate you taking the time. And it's been been such a, a while since we caught up. So thank you for sharing kind of a little bit more about your journey and such a great concept. And it um, seems like you're really revolutionizing the uh, sports betting industry and uh, blazing the path. So kudos to you guys. Um, so I love um, I love to watch your your journey and continue, obviously, being a, a cheerleader on the sidelines as you continue to, to grow this out and um, really move it forward. So thank you. All right. Well, I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode and learned something interesting from the conversation. If you enjoyed the episode and, um, you know, have somebody you think might also benefit from it, please share. Sharing is caring. We're all about that in our community. So please do that. And uh, obviously you might help somebody out from the conversation, maybe a little bit of inspiration from what Luke had to say. He was really getting real about the, some of the salary related things that happened and whatnot. And um, you're not alone if that's happened to you or you're living in it right now. So uh, definitely share it with others and uh, we can all together rise. All right. And if you have a startup idea and you just want to get it going, today is the best day to start, not tomorrow, not the next day. And in doing so, I encourage you to join our community for access to support, expert advice, and resources that you need to elevate your startup. And so just simply join it. Go to est.us forward slash join, est.us forward slash join. We're here to help us support and uh, make that journey better. So please do that and look forward to uh, connecting with you soon. Until then, and until next time, I'm Frank Gruber signing off. Thanks again for listening and wishing you the best of luck and future success with your venture. Thanks for listening to the Startup of the Year podcast. Be sure to subscribe and we'll be back with another episode soon.